2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about Andor episode 11. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta. Joining me on his podcast is Slash Film Editor hey, Brad Oman me. and Star Wars expert Brian Young. Brian? That, that's me. <laughs> I, was, I was like, did the Empire get to Brian? What What happened? Right. Maybe. (laughs) And uh, guys, I mean, for everybody out there listening, it's been a week. But for you and me, it's been more than a week because we pre-recorded the last two episodes. So uh, nice talking with you again about Andor. It's been a while. Um, And we've seen episode 11. We have not seen episode 12. So don't worry. We don't know any spoilers. Uh, But before we get into that... Let's do some feedback. Uh, First of all, Renee in Houston, Texas, writes in, we see Cassian in prison five years before Rogue One, but in Rogue One, Cassian tells Shuret that this is the first time he's been in prison while in Saw's cage when they take Jin to see Saw. Surely this was intentional, but I can't figure out the story here appreciate your thoughts
3: so Brian, why did he lie did he lie or he said this is a first for me too like in that maybe he this is the first time he was captured by rebels as well (laughs) i mean there's about a thousand reasons there's a thousand ways to slice that line yeah to make it make sense and one way to read it that makes you feel like you've somehow been boozled or retconned. And I think, I think people would do well to give the more generous reading that purposely makes sense rather than try to hang up on their one preconceived notion that doesn't. Yeah. Also, he could just lie. He could. I mean, what does he owe those guys? Yeah.
2: I mean, the casting that we see at the beginning of Rogue One uh doesn't seem like the most honest person in the world.
3: Um Yeah, no, he doesn't. But also, here's the thing, like, he could have been sarcastic too. Read that line sarcastically. <laughs> and it's even funnier. Like, there's 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 seriously so many different ways to read that line that doesn't quote unquote break canon. Yeah. Um so just read it that way.
2: I definitely think that the writers of the show were well aware of that line. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not like something that they over you know, overlooked. Um and they were able to like, uh, oh, it works. So yeah. Brad, any thoughts on this?
4: No. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh we we have a more funny question here from Mike in Wokingham, UK. He writes in uh we all agree that indoor has been incredible, but what could they have, what could they do that would ruin it all in the last episode? Maybe Cassian is about to die and is rescued by baby Yoda, or it turns out the B2 emo was an Imperial spy all along. Or of course, Dedra is Cassian's long lost sister and they run off together. What do you think? What what would be the worst possible way to wrap up this season?
4: It, it was all a I, dream. I, I... <laughs>
3: Yeah. Cassian dies.
4: And then we then we and then we, <laughs> and then we mean, enter the would... Star Wars multiverse.
3: Yeah. Thanos shows up. That'd be a bad way to do it. Wait, Cassian dies, then they put a they
2: put an Imperial robot in inside of his skin and replace him, and he it's actually an Imperial that becomes part of the rebellion as a spy as a,
3: as a replicant yeah, yeah that's it it's all blade runner yeah i don't know like <laughs> i have all the faith in the world that there's not going to be a huge uh disappointment in the finale but like yeah something silly or like a post credit scene where like nick fury shows up i don't know
2: okay let's uh <laughs> I don't think any of that's going to happen. I I think the next episode is going to be satisfying. I will say that and we can talk about this after <laughs> at the end of this episode, but it does seem like the stakes are really not that huge coming into the finale. I Huh? It doesn't seem like this huge climactic battle to me. Is what but I'm I- saying
3: it it's It's pretty classic Star Wars as far as climactic, in that you have literally every faction of people who hate each other heading to the same location that's a whole bunch of immovable objects uh being raced after by a whole bunch of unstoppable forces i don't I don't know what greater I mean, stakes tr- you'd want like yes but we we know that
2: the the most important of those stakes is not in stake at all. Do I mean like we know that in the end he becomes part of the rebellion and isn't captured and killed by the Imperial. So I feel like that that stakes for most people watching the show is out of the, you know, is not but, even in consideration. But
3: that's the thing. Like he's the only character. I mean, aside from from Melshi and I guess I guess Mon Mothma and Cassian, like those are the only characters whose fates we know for sure. Um you know, Saw's not going to be in that mix. We don't know anything about Cyril Karn and what, how he's going to complicate things. We don't know how Miro is going to turn out. We don't know what's going to happen to Luthan. Um, Really, like, nothing is sealed. And Cassian can still make a whole lot of poor choices between now and where we see him in Rogue One. And where we see him in Rogue One isn't even all that heroic or great. Like, the first thing we see him do is murdering his contact. Like... Um, I think Cassian can still make a lot of very poor choices between now and the next five years. And I think that's where the stakes are. The stakes are in the journey, not where he's going to end up. Okay. Fates aside. And I guess we could talk more about this
2: later, but I, I guess what I was alluding to is that this isn't like a big prison break. This isn't, um, I don't know. It, it just like you know, he's going to a funeral, and then shit's going to go down at the funeral. Like, it doesn't seem usually a season of television leads up to. I feel like something
3: that feels bigger than this. Well, I think part of this the stakes are like Luthan getting caught, right? I think yeah. the biggest thing right now is Luthan's potential to get caught. Because he is the key orchestrator of what's going on with the rebellion. And he can lead that back to Mon Mothma. He can lead that back to Saw He can lead that back to everyone. And him listening, not listening to the advice of those around him. And him deciding to go to um, Ferrix anyway. And uh, that that's huge. Those are huge stakes. And Cassian deciding to show up even though he shouldn't. Uh, when ISB and Luthen's people are specifically looking for him. Vel going off orders to go there to be there with Cinta to go try to kill Cassian as well. Huge stakes like what happens with those characters? Um, and then Cyril Karn adding another layer of wild card to that. It's I don't know, for me, it's incredibly exciting stakes to see how all of these characters yeah. are going to match off against each other.
2: Brad, any thoughts on us before we go into the now episode? Let's dig in. Okay, brief thoughts on this episode, Brad. We haven't heard much from you today.
4: Um, so it's it's it. This feels like uh, at least a, a little bit uh, on Cassian's side, I guess. Somewhat of like a, somewhat of a calm before the storm. Like nothing he's ex- experienced in this episode is like as bad as what he just experienced in in the prison. Um, you know, he's, he's figuring out where, where to go next, what's going to happen. Obviously he experiences, you know, the, the tragic loss, uh, you know, of his mother, but they, for, I think for Cassian, like, this is, this is a buildup for like, whatever's going to happen for him in the, in the finale. Uh, but for me, the, the thing that I think I, I like the most, uh, in this episode is, uh, Luthens storyline. Uh, I like how that played out and yeah. uh, seeing, seeing him somehow get even more badass as a character. Uh, this, but yeah, this is this is a good episode. It definitely feels like the like a penultimate, you know, uh, episode before the the finale. You know, s- setting up a lot of threads and figuring out where we're gonna go next. Um, but but yeah, so, you know, it's just it's a solid episode.
2: Yeah, to me, it feels like a lot of table setting for the next episode. It's a lot of setup, and um... Brian,
3: your I, thoughts? I think. I think while it's true, there is a lot of place setting, but it does advance the story in ways that are very key, right? Like yeah. Marva's death and watching Cassian react to that is so good. Um, and watching all of the characters sort of unravel. Like right now, there's a, there's a desperation on everyone's part that this episode exudes that is just really, really tense. And I really liked that. But you're right it is it is a lot of pla- play setting for the next episode, but they do it in such an interesting way with such great uh, with a such a great sense of tension
2: yes, okay let's get into it uh I'll start things off with the cassian Melchi storyline and then we'll kind of go into the rest afterwards uh first of all, this is actually directed by benjamin carran uh who is the guy who directed the only single episode of this season of Andor he directed episode seven the announcement and uh that's also the episode where uh Cassian was in
3: Naimos is that how you pronounce it Naimos I think Naimos um I, I mean they they pronounce han and han different ways in star wars i think you're okay messing it up <laughs> some way which direction or another yeah but i remember at the time
2: you were speculating that maybe uh that director doing just that one episode had to do with like production stuff and uh it didn't turn out to be a hundred percent the 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 fact that it, like it was a singular episode it wasn't like a um a three episode arc like the the most of the rest of the season but it is interesting that this director directed that on, on that planet and that this this episode goes back to that planet so it maybe it is production related because that stuff was done uh on location i forget where it was like some, someplace in the uk on like a, a a beachy a beachy for the uk uh area so uh maybe all that stuff was shot together
3: i i would bet right that that all of that stuff was shot together and that's why these three episodes were were this director um or the last that seventh episode this episode and I'm guessing the next one will be too and that and that beach location's probably part of that yeah yeah okay so uh Cassian and Melshi have been
2: hanging on the side of a cliff for what it seems like a long time uh well Cassian assures Melshi that the Imperials are finally leaving they've seen they see like a ship overhead fly away, and uh they they also see that there's two aliens uh Brian, any idea
3: what species of aliens these are? um no, these appear to be new. I thought at a distance they might have been the same species as Unkar Plut, which would have been a nice tie because the ship is a quad jumper, which is one of those in Plut's yard that. Ray was going to steal and force awakens as she ran toward it and ended up, you know, it, it exploded. And then they ended up in the Falcon. But, uh, yeah, I haven't seen these. They reminded me a lot of, um, the trolls in the first Hobbit film. <laughs> I will say that the subtitles, um, uh, point out that the,
2: what they're speaking is Narkian, which they're on, uh, what's the planet that they're on? Uh, um,
3: do you guys know? Isn't it Nar? Uh,
4: Narkina
2: Five? Isn't that what it is? Narkina Five. Yeah, sorry.
3: So yeah, if if they're speaking Narkian, I would I would guess that they're yeah. that they're natives. Yeah, and especially uh, with the way they talk about how like the Empire is just screwing our stuff up and and whatnot. Yeah. So they could be Narkians, <laughs> or they could just be speaking Narkian.
2: I don't know. Uh, I will say that uh, as as a person that's been kind of giving this show a lot of crap about not having a lot of aliens, I like to see aliens in my Star Wars. I love these two. They they reminded me of like some old school Jim Henson shit. Like it felt like something out of like Labyrinth or something like that. I, I really enjoyed them. Um But they, okay, so they have a quad jumper. As you mentioned, we first see that vehicle in Unkar Plutt's lot in Force Awakens. Uh, It's how uh, they were going to get off Jakku, but it blows up, and then they have to take some other hunk of junk instead. And uh, we also saw it in some episodes of The Mandalorian, and, uh, of course, we see it in the climactic Exegol scene in Resident Skywalker because they put every ship they know of in that scene um unfortunately as they run to it a net is shot out and captures them and the aliens believe that they'll get one thousand credits each for catching these escapers dead or alive uh apparently the prison is on a planet that has killed most of the uh i think they call them squiggles which i'm guessing are like some kind of Fish creatures found in in the oceans uh, there, and uh, so I, I guess they before the empire was there, they were kind of fish fishermen who would uh, eat off the land. But uh, now they're kind of upset with the empire, and Cassian and Melshi kind of make a pitch about how it's all the empire's fault, and they they should be let go, and and they are let go. Brad, it seemed rather easy. For them to get out of this mess. It did,
4: but, you know, I mean, I feel like not, not everybody in that position is going to be, like, the dick who, like, wants to, to hold on to him and hold him hostage yeah. and, like, do something nefarious with them. But they're like, you know what? Yeah, fine. And we'll we'll give you a ride, too.
2: <laughs> they're like, screw the empire. Not only are we going to give up the 2,000 credits, but we're going to give you this quad jumper that's probably worth a lot more than well, that. Well, I don't
4: think they give it to them. I'm pretty sure they just give them a ride, but.
2: Oh, is that what? Oh, I thought that they, they took did it. Did they take it? But.
4: What do you I, think, Brian? Did they take I it mean, or did
2: they get a ride? <laughs> <laughs> Brian's unwilling to weigh oh, in I, on this. this no, situation. I can't.
3: I can't hear Brad. Oh no! Uh, I typed it in yeah. the chat. I didn't want to like ruin anything. If Brad was if Brad oh. Was, oh, on it was actually there. perfectly timed. <laughs> on,
2: let, me hit, let me hit stop.
3: I I very much got the impression they got the ride. Um, and I think that they didn't lose out on the 2000 as much as Cassian probably promised them something on the way, <clears throat> especially when he picked the planet he was going to. I thought it was really clever that his stash was still there. But my guess is off-screen they got paid off for that, especially since it doesn't seem as though Cassian and Melshi have a ship, right? Like they're sort of they they feel very stranded there. Um. And it'll be interesting to see how Cassian and Melshi get off planet. So maybe we won't know for sure. Maybe they do have the quad jumper, but that wasn't the impression I got.
2: Yeah, they they also take up in this quad jumper, which feels like it's old and falling apart. I think Cassian says at one, uh, one point earlier that it's like a really old ship, which I think is kind of funny because in Force Awakens, the purpose of the ship, the whole point of Gigi Abrams creating the ship for that movie was it looked small and sleek and new, and it didn't look like something that was, you know, that had been in star Wars for a long time. So it's like, you know, Finn and, and Ray are going to, towards it because it looks like the, you know, a great way to escape and, and they're forced to use that hunk of junk, the millennium Falcon instead. So I, I think that's kind of funny. Anyways, um, uh, Cassie is uh, skipping ahead a little. Cassian did go to Nemos, uh, and, they he breaks into his old residence to grab a safe box he had hidden and there's an alien sleeping in the other room and I'm a little confused here I wanted to hear what you guys think because last time we saw he was he was rooming with this uh a woman right This was a hotel Yeah
4: and he's he, he's been gone for how long in prison like he comes back somebody obviously there's a couple Oh it's
2: a hotel? Yeah, it's that's, right. where, yeah that's what it's, I think it's like a yeah. resort
4: that's where he was when that's that's what that place is it's it's like a
2: and they didn't find his stash? Well, yeah,
4: because he hid it well. It's it's a place that like you're not easily supposed to access. I mean, come <laughs> on.
2: Okay, fair enough. You have answered my question. Okay, Uh, we'll get back to Cassian in a bit, but let's, sk- let's skip to the rest of the episode first. And that starts on Ferex. It appears that Marva has taken a turn for the worse. Uh, she has died. B2EMO. Doesn't want to say goodbye. And I got to be honest with you guys. I'm a little shocked that this happened. Number one, off camera. Number two, not with uh, Cassian there to see. Like, it seems so. I mean, I guess it's the you need a reason for Cassian to come back to Ferex. But it seems like it would be so much more dramatic to see him see it happen
4: i i don't know i mean i <laughs> think i think if anything maybe it's a little even even more tragic this way that he, he can't be there when, when it happened and that he has to experience it from a distance um you know and i it happening off camera i feel like kind of makes sense too because like she was she like she wasn't gonna die in some kind of like grand way like fighting you know again against the empire and it seemed like she was already like aware that she was pretty much on her last legs anyway you know um but I think, what I think what I particularly enjoyed about this scene is I feel like this is maybe, uh, at least as far as live action Star Wars is concerned, the the most like touching way like uh, human characters have treated a droid and like the most emotional a droid has maybe been about uh, something like this.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably
3: right. Brian, is that right? <laughs> I think so. I mean, like there was definitely, you know, people have responded to droids this way and, you know, Amidala certainly treated R2 with gratitude when he got them off of Naboo. Um, but this level of, um, mourning hasn't really been around. Like, I I think this is, this is kind of something that's meant to be sort of twitchy for this droid. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So,
2: uh, Deidre Miro is briefed on the situation, and she tells her officers to grant them a per- grant them a permit for a funeral, which they're going to use as a trap. And uh, seems like a good plan. Uh, in ferrick's custom, they will mix her ashes with mortar and local stone dust, and turn her into a brick, which will be it will then become part of a wall on Ferrix. it's a process that takes two days i don't know i'm not sure what the purpose of us knowing this is but the, no, so that, that is kind of a cool detail
3: i think i think i don't think that process takes two days i think that's what happens after the funeral oh okay i think the reason they tell us two days is to give us a time frame so that everybody has time to actually get to Ferrix. okay um But yeah, no, I thought this was a really super cool detail and it shows the world building and the depth that they've put, the depth of thought they've put into this particular planet. And it's cool that they're fleshing out the customs and cultures of this planet more and more every time we visit it. Uh, And it makes it a really cool, it it feels like a lived in corner of, um, you know, Star Wars. In a way, when, when we first saw it, it was like, oh, this place is new. Looks like they got a ton of bricks. There we go. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Turns out all those bricks are dead bodies.
3: Yep. <laughs> uh
2: I wonder do you think there's a part of Ferrex that is the bricks of all the all the dead people who have died there? Or do you think like do you get to choose what what building you become
3: part of? I mean like, you're dead, that... you don't get to choose anything.
2: But I mean like do you like the the uh lower class on the planet just get like end, end up in some like you know, building for the construction or like, do I mean like, do, do the upper class and I guess there, is there an upper class in Fairix? If there is, do they get to become part of like, you know, I don't know. The the more (laughs) extravagant restaurant in the main square.
3: I, I, I would doubt. I I think it's probably something special or something that, or whatever's being built. Who knows? We don't know enough about this planet yet
2: or do you think there's like a a cemetery where it's just like this big grand like berlin wall of like uh
3: like a memory wall or something
2: yeah yeah i wonder anyways we'll probably never find out but uh, th- those are my thoughts uh so val goes to luthen's shop with an with urgent intel for luthen but clea scolds her uh that she's breaking security protocols that they set up. Uh, But in the end, she relays the info that Cassian's mother has died. Um, And obviously, you know, everybody finding out this information at the same time is pointing everybody to Ferex, which is going to come into play probably next episode. But what do you make of this contentious relationship between Val and Clea? Because I feel like it's not... uh, us seeing that is not just to find out that the information got to Clea. It's also establishing
3: their dynamic and there's something there, right? I I feel like their dynamic is Val's going to get herself killed. And Clea (laughs) is the only only adult in the room. Uh, I think Clea is the only one. Clea honestly thinks like, she's the only person thinking, right? Like she's Mr. Pink and Reservoir Dogs and everybody else is acting like a first year thief.
2: <laughs> well, everybody but uh,
3: Luthen. No, I think, no, I think she's she's on Luthen's ass about it too, where yeah. he, she's like, yeah, don't go. Like we, we can't afford to let that. You've got other assets on the ground. Uh, just leave it be. And he's like, no, I got to do it. And she's like, you're an idiot. Okay, back on Ferex, the Imperials are all uh,
2: still in full surveillance, uh, surveillance mode on Cassian's mother's residence, where B2 Emo convinces Brazo to stay the night. And meanwhile, Bix is still imprisoned in the old hotel turned Imperial uh, prison base, whatever you want to call it, and is questioned about Intel Krieger and is he access? which I don't know much about Anto Krieger, but it seems like they're just reaching for straws at this point. Right? (laughs) Like, he doesn't seem like an important enough character in this galaxy to be Axis.
3: Well, I think he's the only name they have. Yeah. So, like, you might as well run that information against people, and that makes the operation at Spellhouse all the more important if, if he is. Question is, does Anto Krieger know Luthen? He
2: must know Luthen, right? Well, well, yeah, because
3: Luthen's Luthan. the one who's been trying to broker the air support for his operation.
2: So Luthen is willing to give up Anto Krieger, which makes sense. We've already talked about that last week, the week before, probably. Um, but if he knows Luthen, couldn't he give Luthen up?
3: I don't like Anto Krieger. Yeah. At what point is he going to have to be able, to, like, at what point is he going to be allowed or able to to give him up? Like, how would that work? He doesn't know that he's being set up. And I mean,
2: once he get, gets captured and he's, like, uh, interrogated. I, I think, they're,
3: I think they're, the, the intention is they're going to annihilate these people because they're launching an attack on this power station.
2: Hmm.
3: Okay. Uh, Val is surprised
2: to see that Lydia is in what appears to be B. Be... What Leader. is going on here, Brian?
3: This is some old Shandrin stuff. This it feels very religious. It feels very old school culture, and like Mon Mothma's disappointed by it, and which is what leads me to believe that it's very much related to the child betrothed bride thing. Yeah. Um, and she's all about it, which is weird but it's like you've got that rebellion in kids where it's like I'm going to do the opposite of whatever my parents are into and that's that's really like oh Chandelion custom and you're going to make me live on Coruscant well I'm going to over I'm going to overcorrect and get so into it it's ridiculous <laughs> it seems like there's something going on with braids so yeah which is interesting those braids are very much like if you look at the uh, Ian McKegg artwork for uh, early Phantom Menace stuff. That's kind of how Jedi Padawan braids were, where the two braids up at the top, uh, like that. Yeah. Um, okay. So
2: Mon Mothma confides in Val about the current, uh, financial situation that she's in. And we learn that Luthen doesn't know what's going on. And, uh, Cyril is woken up in the middle of the night by a transmission from Sergeant Mosk. And if you don't remember who this is, this is the guy that like uh assisted Cyril in that disastrous attempt to capture Andor on Ferrix in the first. Is it episode two or episode three? Probably episode three, something like that. Um, and Mosk tells Cyril of Cassian's mother's death and speculates that he might show up at the funeral. Uh Call is cut off because it's 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 assumed that he uh something blows up or something is going on
3: guys I'm really not liking where the Cyril storyline is going what what what's not to like about it what are you what are you not liking about it uh, I don't know I just thought he would be a bigger part of this, and it really feels
2: like he's this crazy guy following. The leads on his like he he's the guy in his room with like the the strings connecting everything on his wall and now he's you know getting intel from I don't know it, it, I I just
3: wish he was a bigger part of everything I think that the, I think so does he I think that's his, I think that's the point <laughs> Yes I I agree I, I mean I'm I i,
2: I do not disagree with that Brian I just I just wish uh I I wish that Dedra no, I don't know. I, I I just wish that he was part of this in a bigger I way. Think I, it's, but it's, I think it's, that's it's, the it's,
4: idea, though. Is like like he's supposed to yeah. see him. He's supposed to be desperate to want to be a part of it. But he right. I mean, but for now, he, yeah. he's still just he's nothing. He's stuck. You know, he's he's screwed up. Yeah. Uh.
2: So Luther visits Sagrera and his crew, uh, because Saw now wants in on Krieger's plan at the spellhaus power station, which puts Luther in a weird position because. He can't let that happen because he knows that Krieger is, is, there's a setup and he's leaving Krieger out to dry. So Luthen makes the decision in that moment to tell Saw that that's what's happening. And he makes the pitch that letting Krieger go down is the best thing for them to do because it will leave them confident. Uh And I think this whole situation is very interesting because number one, I think Saw knows that if he had agreed to be part of Krieger's plan initially, that Luthen would be, at this point, leaving him out to dry at this point as well. It would not be a different change in what what is going down, which I think is, uh, I don't know, interesting. And also, how does Saw process this? Because so far, we've seen Saw, and he's claimed to be like this guy that never... Compromises his ideals And now he's willing to Compromise his ideals uh, In the name of war
3: Is he compromising his ideals Or looking at what he needs And seeing Krieger as a chance To get those needs met Yeah but Yeah Because he talks about how like We're taking this equipment We're doing that And that's the price for doing this We're gonna do it Like that doesn't seem like a compromise of ideals that seems like we can work uh we can work on this and i've i've thought about it again and it is a good thing for us and luthen's plan worked unfortunately he knows it's all a trap
2: brad any thoughts on this whole situation that luthen you know ultimately gives uh saw the choice letting Krieger and the 30 men get captured or burn a good source and so I actually agree uh
4: yeah no I I mean this this is just uh you know one of several things we've seen this season that just goes to show you how delicate you know the creation of the the rebellion is and how many difficult choices need to be made to keep it uh secret keep it and you know keep it under the radar until the time comes for them to really like make a a bigger announcement and like strike out against the empire you know the the heist and aldani was one thing but like now it, they're getting some heat on them and yeah it's just i i like this kind of you know uh inside you know uh espionage kind of stuff See, seeing the difficulty and the challenges that come with doing something like this it's this has been the best thing about andor is that it's not this cut and dry uh, good versus evil kind of thing you know this this is the the inner workings of a rebellion where there's a lot of complicated decisions that need to be made and you know willing to sacrifice people for for something bigger than themselves
2: yeah speaking of espionage we see cyril waiting for his mom to leave and he sneaks into the apartment and goes through uh, her drawers and, and grabs some credit. I think it's credits. Are those credits that he's stealing?
3: It looked like credit cards to me, like oh. like a credit card version of credits.
2: Ah, um, it just reminds me, like, uh, I'm sure everybody has that, like when they're a kid and like they were going to like, go to the mall with their friends and they like like sneak into their parents room and like go in the drawer and, like, take out a dollar or two, or whatever. And it, it's like, how far has Cyril fallen?
4: Well, hey, his, has, his mom got into his private box, so it only makes sense that he gets into hers.
2: Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that logic, Brad. I like that logic a lot. Okay, so Clea uh, and Luther have a coded conversation that is interrupted by an Imperial patrol ship and uh, Luther is asked to give uh, his identification. He gives the ID of an Alderaan ship, and uh, they tractor beam in his ship. And Luther fakes this overheating, his engines overheating that allows him to charge up his thrusters to escape. It's this really cool, intense scene. Uh, what did you guys think of this whole sequence?
4: Loved it. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just just a great sequence with a lot of uh, tension and suspense, and just uh, seeing how he deals with it, you know, calmly and has these tricks up his sleeve and and everything. Uh, yeah, just a, a great sequence.
3: Um, I really loved all of the the Easter eggs in this sequence too. Um, they called this this ship out as a Cantwell class cruiser. And its design is actually one of the original designs Colin Cantwell turned in uh, back in the mid 70s when they were when he was building and designing ships for Star Wars in the first place. Um, Colin Cantwell is the the mind who who really designed the TIE Fighters and the X-Wings. And yeah, McCory improved on those designs, but Cantwell was the model builder who created them in the first place. And this... Ship first appeared. This Cantwell class Star Destroyer first appeared in some deleted scenes in solo. And so this is its first like appearance in the canon for for real with that name and everything. And uh yeah, it's super cool. What was the ship originally gonna be in A New Hope? Uh, it was a Star Destroyer, it was like a Star Destroyer, like um that that's what a Star Destroyer could have looked like, right? Yeah. That is cool. Um,
2: the Elderon ship ID checks out, but they still want to board Luthen's ship for just for the practice of it. And Luthen engage, engages the thrusters, but can't get away. It's, and then he fires at the ship's tractor beacon. I think that's what that dish thing is, uh, allowing him to get away. And uh, really cool sequence. Uh, Tie fighters are sent in pursuit. Uh, some really cool action here. I'm gonna, um, especially that uh, that moment, and I'm gonna be uh, very technical in my description here. Uh, the the laser spinning maneuver. I, I like that. So, Spinning's a neat trick. Ah, I see
4: what he did there.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, did, did you have anything else to say about this whole whole action sequence?
3: No, it, it was cool. It yeah. it. it, it I'm curious how the the laser beam kind of cutting cutting beams worked because it's not something we've really seen in Star Wars before and um I wonder if the people who th- there's this it's it, there's this really hilarious disconnect that there's people who who understand that Andor is well written but don't comprehend that The Last Jedi is and they're like in The Last Jedi, they'll be like the Holdo maneuver breaks space combat forever. Like, why didn't anybody do this before? But Luthens move here does the exact same thing, and I would be surprised if anybody who has been on the I hate Last Jedi and I love Andor bandwagon actually points that out because it's the same thing. It's like it's something new, something we haven't seen before, something that could have changed space combat, but it's experimental and new and something he has and um I don't I, I don't agree with the holdo maneuver breaking Star Wars
2: but I'm going to play devil's advocate here for you Brian. The holdo maneuver can destroy large things did, and this did. this is this this, this this feels like very like this is a cool maneuver that can kill like, a bunch of tie fighters or did. something but it doesn't feel like a gigantic did, I'm, I'm,
3: the Holdo maneuver barely marginally disrupted the First Order's ability to make war on the, the resistance. Yeah, it split a ship in half, but it didn't like turn the tide of the battle. It just bought them some time. Yeah, which is all Luthen did here.
2: See, I'm not even the Holdo maneuver guy, so I'm not not trying to argue that. I'm no, the, I know. I I'm just saying
3: I'm I'm just saying like of the two like they 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 functioned the same point. Yeah. Okay, uh,
2: I I do want to say that I love that the captain of the imperial ship, uh, th- that close-up shot or that that shot of him after he's clearly lost. He's not like the typical Star Wars uh, imperial, like you know, angry. whatever you could just tell how you you know just the look on his face. I think said it all, and it was just uh it's, it's so. Such a great uh, cut. Yeah. Uh, So Cassian's radio, or he radios to Ferex to leave a message for Marva, and it's told that she has died. He's devastated. Doesn't tell Melshi. I guess here is my, not that I was expecting like this real dramatic death with him at her bedside or like for him or for her to do like some heroic thing and die in battle or something like that. But it, it does feel weird that we've been building up Marva for something in this season, and he just learns it on a phone call. I but guess. But I is think what I, feels I think we got that build
4: me. up the last time he saw her and the last conversation they had. Like she made it clear, yeah. like she she wasn't going anywhere. Like she needed to stay there, and basically, you know, like she knew that's where she was going to die. And you know, I, I, if anything, you know, one of the things I I like about uh, how this is done is when after andor gets the news uh he's he's beachside and it kind of uh echoed his own death scene from rogue 1 for me like he learned about his mom dying yeah. here yeah. on the beach and then he he himself will you know die on on the beachside in rogue 1
3: I wonder no, if that's I, intentional Oh I I the weather in a Star Wars movie is never an accident
4: yeah, and the and there's there, <laughs> right? there's one shot in particular where like the 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 sun is like is glowing like behind the clouds and it's like it's you know it, it's pretty much it's kind of kind of magic hour in a way and yeah it's just uh it it feels like it's definitely replicating like the look of that shot and, from Rogue One.
3: And when you actually take that shot here and compare it to Rogue One here, it's full of consternation and grief and pain, and in Rogue One, it's met with um certainty and calm like it's it really is like i think it's absolutely intentional to show how far he's going to come by the time he gives his life yeah. life up
2: um Melchie thinks that they need to split up to double their chances to spread the message of what happened um it's clear that andor has other things on his mind to deal with and we 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 end the episode so I guess before we get into speculation, anything else that needs to be said about this episode?
3: I we're just gonna we're gonna see uh <laughs> how things turn out.
2: So uh okay, let's jump into speculation. So next week, Indor obviously isn't going to Ferex because his mom's dead and he's not gonna go there and he's not gonna get captured because he, he sees that there's a, a setup, right? None of that's gonna happen, right, Brian? Of which, I, I, I was joking. I'm just basically oh. saying uh, he's gonna go to Ferrex, and there's gonna
3: yeah. the, they're everybody's gonna try to gonna after go. him. Yeah, the, the next episode may as well be called like "Let's Go to Ferrex." <laughs> uh, you know, if it,
2: if it is titled that, Brian, the next time I see you, I owe you a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys know this, but uh, when they give us screeners in advance of episodes, they don't give us the episode titles, which is weird. Because we've seen the entire episode, but they won't tell us the title of the episode. But Brian writes uh his review of the episode when he sees it, and he actually guesses the title of the episode. And you were actually right last week with what for you guessed. One for way best. out, yeah. Yeah. So so let's all go to Ferrix. Yeah. You heard it here first.
3: It's like it but it's it's said in that same sing song tone that you'd say, like, let's all go to the lobby. <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> Okay, so I guess the question is, do you think by the end of next week's episode, do you think there's any chance that Andor actually gets captured?
3: I, 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 there's five years. Like, literally nothing yeah. is off the table. He could get almost assassinated. He could get mortally wounded and luthen has got to nurse him back to health and say, like, you're my prisoner now. Like, he could get captured by anybody. Um like, what do Sinta and Vel have to do with it? What if they get to him first? Like, there's so many different ways it can go. I just want to stop recording and go watch it now. Brad, what do you think is going to happen next week's episode? Uh,
4: gosh and golly, G willikers. I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, you say that like you didn't know I was no, going to no. ask you what you thought was going to happen. I mean, happen
4: no, I, I agree. I, I feel like he has to go back to Farrick's. Um, I, I don't think he's going to get uh, get captured at the end of uh, the finale anyway. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I wonder. I, I feel like he probably ha- has to get back with Luthan, you think? I mean, I feel like that probably makes sense, maybe, right? I don't know. What do you, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. Like, there's there's so many moving parts right now that I'm not inter- necessarily sure how they're going to end up. I, I feel like we probably can't, like, resolve all of the threads of this finale because, like, we do have to head into season two. But I guess it kind of depends on, like, how much of a time jump there's going to be between the end of this season and the beginning of season two. Um
3: that's the thing, because this is supposed to cover one whole year and this is like the close of the year. Yeah. And then, you know, do they start immediately after this year when they represent four years to the battle before Yavin? Or do they start uh, six months yeah, into exactly. the year? Okay, so let's talk about some of
2: the other characters. So I think those are a little bit more interesting. Do you think, so Cyril, is he going to Ferex? Is that's what, what we're led to believe by him uh grabbing his mom's credit cards.
4: Yeah, yeah, sure. He's hopping a flight. He's getting over there. He's gonna try try and w-
2: what does he hope to accomplish? I don't even understand. What... He
3: wants to catch Cassian and deliver Cassian to Dedramiro uh as as penance for all of that. And the stuff. best
4: thing there there's two the two best things that could happen is uh A, he, he fails spectacularly again. Uh that's what's or, probably or gonna B, happen uh he ca- he captures Cassian um but he doesn't get any reward for it
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be a I think he's going to try he's going to be the one to like basically cost Dedra Cassian
3: yeah and she's going to put him in a very bad situation <laughs> for it uh,
2: um I guess the que- the big question for next week's episode is who's gonna make it out alive? Ever, it will, oh yeah. no, that's
3: right. He's gonna be a he's gonna be a replicant after this.
2: <laughs> well it, it's possible. I'm just saying they were gonna end uh it, by the way, if anybody didn't get that joke, uh that was actually Mick G's original ending for Terminator Salvation. Yeah, that's the that's the, yeah, that's is that the one name one of the movie. movie? Yeah, John Connor Connor was gonna be replaced by a Terminator in John Connor's skin anyways i'm just saying it's possible it's probably it's, it's very unlikely but it's possible uh so i guess other than cassian who who's gonna like make it out alive here like everybody is on or not everybody i guess mon is not there i
3: think i think actually everyone's gonna make it out alive i think it's going to piss everybody off and everybody's going to lose something to the point where the stakes are raised in season two
2: so you don't think? I think earlier this season, Brian, you theorized that Luthan was going to die at the end of the season. He could. You think he's gonna uh, he's
3: gonna make it out alive?
2: Um. By the way, I I want him to because he's one of my favorite parts of the show.
3: Yeah. No, I think he is going to make it out alive because I think he's got too much stuff wrapped up in his head that we still want to find out about. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I don't know. Uh. It,
2: Brad, what do you think? Like, what do you think is going to happen with Val and Cinta and Bix? There's so many people to play here. Is 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 B two going to get off Eric's with Andor? What, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah,
4: I don't. I don't know. That's that's the thing is like with with so many with all these characters spread out in so many different places. Like, if, I'm you know, I'm I'm not sure. I I I hope that uh, Val and Cinta realize that they don't have to. Uh, you know, kill Cassian. Uh, that would that would kind of suck, but it would also be, you know, another another. Oh, yeah, I forgot would also about that. It be another so brutal there's... hit if you know Cassian had to kill one one or both of them to make an escape. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of moving pieces here.
2: I completely forgot that they were on the other side at this point, or not on the other side, but they're trying to uh close. Loose ends by killing Cassian. Yeah. So,
3: Hmm. I, I think v- uh, Sinta and Val are probably the two characters whose fates are the most, uh, in question. I think part of it is because there's this really horrible trope to like kill queer characters. Um, and so naturally, because we've finally gotten on, on screen queer representation, uh, one of them has to die now, so we don't have to worry about it anymore.
4: Oh, that would um, be a real bummer.
3: I, I do not want them. I, I would very much like for them to live happily ever after after uh after the rebellion is over. But something tells me none of these people are going to have very happy lives after this.
2: Do we think Bix is going to make it off of Ferrex and become part of the rebellion? I know, I know I've asked that in the past, but... You know, it seems like it's if it's going to happen,
3: it's going to happen in this next week's episode. I think I think that's a distinct possibility, especially. Oh, she looked. They have been mistreating her a lot based on how she looked in this episode. And it was heartbreaking. Yeah, she
2: looked horrible. Um, She looked like, uh, I don't know.
3: (laughs) Can she recover? I guess is the question. Um, I mean. She didn't look worse than Anakin Skywalker barbecuing on Mustafar. So, yeah, I think she can recover.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there any other characters that we haven't mentioned yet? I, I, I guess we haven't mentioned the Mon Mothma storyline, which I guess is not going to be happening on Ferrix. But there's still the continuing storyline about her, her finances, her
3: well, daughter. I think, I think and... she made that decision. I think, she, I think she's given her daughter up.
2: I th- yeah, I think that's what we're led to believe at this point. But like what do you think's
3: going to happen in like it, do you think we're not even going to see her in next week's episode? I think we're going to see Mon Mothma in the next episode because she's going to be that dramatic counterpoint, right? If if you put everybody on Ferex, you're going to want something to cut away from to build tension. The way they used her in some of those previous episodes, like I think some of the pr- the prison episodes where we had the scene um the scene where she actually has that meeting with this gangster, right? I think that might be her only scene on the show that episode, but it pulls away to give us a vital look at something else and builds the tension in the prison break. So I think if we're going to get Mon Mothma in the next episode, it's going to be one scene, maybe two, and it's going to be to cut away key moments in the, the climax of that episode to raise the stakes of the tension. Yeah. I think you're right there. I guess
2: the uh, one of the big question marks. I'm not sure if anybody cares about or not. Is are we gonna see what happens with Anto Krieger next episode, or does like do we even need to see that? I mean, that could all be take place off screen,
3: right? I, I think it could take place off screen, and it will. I mean, like I think that's why we kind of got like a a CG creation looking thing of Anto Krieger, right in this episode. Um, oh, I, didn't, I didn't
2: even look in the credits if there was, it was an actual actor.
3: I, I didn't look in the credits about whether or not it was an actor or not. um, And, and uh, it, it, uh, yeah, no, it, it, it <laughs> it looked kind of weird. And I don't think we're going to see him. I don't think we need to, right? We know that they're being sent off to die. That's what's going to happen.
2: Okay, uh Luthin. Is Luther gonna go to Ferrex? Yeah.
3: You think Foolish he'll put way. himself in that that situation? Oh yeah. I mean that's what he told Clea. Did he say he said he was going to Ferrex? I don't know. Brad, I mean, back me up on this. That's the impression you got, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, that's what I got too.
3: Okay. 'Cause it was all coded. It was all like it was kind of uh hard to
2: make make out what was going on there. I guess uh what's happening with Saw Guerrera? Is he gonna get involved at all?
3: Not on Ferrex. I think yeah. if we see Saw it's gonna be in season two. Season two. Fair enough. Uh, I, I think we've speculated our way out of this
2: one. Is, is there anything else that, I did, that we didn't touch on? I think we touched on all the major characters at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Other let's than go watch,
4: uh... go watch the finale. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah let's go watch it. <laughs> I'm so excited, guys. Okay. Uh, I'll be excited to talk with you next week about this one. If If, if anybody out there has any other... Uh, speculation, comments, things we might have missed, let us know. Peter at Slashfilm.com. And you can always go to Slashfilm.com to read Brian's article. He, he does a recap every week. And we also have a ton of other articles on the site as well. Uh, you can find this podcast in Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to the Slashfilm newsletter. The link is in the show notes. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you